Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Changing Times Transformation Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything transformation related. We're here back again for a season two and the final episode at that. It's been a long time coming and it is finally here. Um, and quite the special episode at that matter as well. Um, so I have here joined with me my co-host, Mela Flox. Hi there. All right, and he's again um, our new co-host, so he will be um, sharing his opinions and uh, working with the podcast as well from here on out. Um, and for today's episode, I am joined by two participants. Uh, so first off, we'll go ahead and introduce our first participant, uh, who goes by Crazy Husky. Some may also know him as Faust. So good, grand welcome to you. Hello. <laughs> Um, I'm Crazy Husky, I'm from England, and um, I'm a colorist, as you people may know. Um, sorry, <laughs> this, this is like my first time on the podcast, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> That's alright, we'll break it down for you. But um, I'll go ahead and change the spotlight over to our other participant here, who goes by the name of the Gnome King. So good warm welcome to you. Hello there. Um, my name's, well, the, the alias is the Gnome King, but pretty much everyone just calls me Gnome. Um, I'm a writer. Um, I write smut, and that's pretty much it. Good deal. Smut's always good. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's go ahead and dive into it here. We'll go ahead and start with formalities. Um, so, of course, getting with your names, uh, get with your blood types. No, I'm just kidding, not blood types. Though I'm sure your blood types are probably interesting. Uh, but that's the story for another day. Um, so we'll go ahead and get with um, you, Crazy Husky. Where did you get the name of, you know, the, I guess we'll say your double alias of both Crazy Husky as well as Faust? Um, well, originally, the username, well, that's what I use, Crazy Husky, because it's for the username, and it was only really meant to be a placeholder until I figured out what the species I was going to base the character around. So I just picked two random words, something close to what I wanted, which was a snow dog, so Husky just worked. But by the time I sort of figured everything out, it was just like, oh, I've got a bunch of people following me now. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, let's see if I can change my username. And, well, Barafini didn't really allow that. So I was just like, well, it's here and everybody knows, <laughs> you know. So I was just like, I'll just keep the username rather than just having to sort of change accounts and it'll just be like a hassle of re-uploading everything. So <laughs> that's kind of where it comes from. Um, mm -hmm. The actual character name, Faust, is actually, well, it kind of comes back from because it's a canine. And a oh. popular name for a canine name, like a dog name, is Lucky. So, Faust actually means lucky in Latin. Oh. Okay. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the dog tags he wears 
always are actually a good luck charm, so that's why as well. <laughs> oh, okay. So where did you come up with the idea of coming uh, with like a charm, I guess, with the uh, the dog tag, since of course that's first thing that comes to mind is like a military origin. Yeah, because that's where his backstory is. He's kind of a bit military-ish. Oh, okay. Well, it's just something I've not expanded on that much. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he has a military-ish background. Well, he's ex-military anyway. Ah, okay. But he's now kind of just a mercenary that does weird things, just like the odd jobs and dealing with various transformation aspects. <laughs> oh, okay. Nothing wrong with that. And I'm assuming that Huskies are probably your favorite breed of canine oh as i said it was a placeholder name he's actually like uh, he's actually a malamute well right so (laughs) it's a slight sort of change but yeah he's that's why he's a bit bigger and chunkier than he's supposed to be because it's not the husky it's it's the other version i say our version it's a completely different breed and the fact it's this, well, it's like there's a defect within Malamutes which can cause him to become giant sized. So he's actually mm. the giant woolly version of it. Right. That's why I've made him a lot bigger than he's really <laughs> supposed to be as well. So I know it's a bit bit, but the only thing I love is character creation. Right. And well. Expanding on characters. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that is pretty much your uh, online identity, so definitely has to put some detail into that. Um, and Malaflux, did you have anything to add into that? I was just curious. You you said he has a military sort of background. Um, mm-hmm. Is that from personal experience? Do you have any time with the military? Not really, as per se. But I had the few guys that I know and. You know, people who have been, like, off to different versions of military. Like, I've had American guys go off to military and a few English guys say, yeah, we're going to go join the army and stuff. And, you know, a couple of my old friends are roughly there from what they were doing in college when I was there. Because they were kind of only there for, like, courses that they could use to get into the army basically because uh, it was more like a my course when i was in college was more like the general sort of yeah. base computer stuff where mm-hmm. basically you know you had ro- people going into robotics computers science and some sort of going elsewhere so <laughs> mm-hmm. right okay that's a nice origin you got there um, so now we'll go ahead and switch on over to the, to the Gnome King, which, of course, um, hearing yourself or looking at that name, you see Gnome, which you know, most people probably think of a garden gnome, to be honest, probably. Um, and then you see King, so you see an interesting correlation there. <laughs> it's from the, the Wizard of Oz, right? Uh, yeah, actually, it's uh, yeah, it's from uh, Frank Baum's uh, old series of books. Um, oh. He has had uh, quite a few... I think I think he's appeared in more than one of his books. He's actually kind of like a a lot of people tend to think of the Wicked Witch of the West as the 
you know the the, the titular um, villain of the Oz series. Um, but oh, I think okay. uh, in terms of the book series, uh, the Gnome King has been, you know, uh, quite a bit more um, reoccurring. Uh, he's mm. he's been he's been more on the spotlight, as it were. Um, <clears throat> he's had quite a few different depictions, but the one that kind of sticks out in my mind the most was I'm not sure if you remember the Disney film, mm-hmm. um, the Re- Return to Oz. I think it was a bit. I think it was in the 80s. Oh. Um, I think it was portrayed as like this um, stone-looking man. He was smoking a pipe, um, and he had this one odd scene where he was wearing, uh, you know, the magical ruby slippers. He'd, uh, he had stolen them, and he was wearing them mm-hmm. uh, on his feet. And I just, I just remember it being so stupid, but utterly fabulous at the same time. You know, he was this cruel, evil, tyrannical dictator smoking a pipe, but he's got these fabulous bright red shoes on, and it's just... I, I don't know why I can never get that out of, out of my head. Um, <laughs> but um, I, th- I think my sort of super... I think the re- main reason why I chose the name was I think my kind of uh, super young, edgy teenage self mm-hmm. kind of like the name the Gnome King sounded, uh, you know, sounded interesting and 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 and, and all that. But um, yeah, it, that's pretty much the pretty much the only reason why I chose the name. He um he, he just it it was a name that I'd been read, you know, I was books have been read to my my childhood, and mm-hmm. it's been years since I last uh, I last even touched them. Um, but I believe when I when I created the username, it was I kind of had that film in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, th- I think in I think he does have a transformation reference. Oh, okay. uh, I think in I think in one of the books, Ozama of Oz. I think I, I it might have been one of his first appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he turns people into statues um, oh, okay. in in that book. Um, it's it's been a long time to me. Uh, since the books were actually read, so someone who's a bigger nerd on the Oz series could probably correct me on that one. Um, but yeah, just I like the game, the, I like the name, I guess, and it kind of stuck. And over a decade later, I'm still using it as my alias. Huh, nothing wrong with that. I didn't know it went that deep. So, yeah. so go ahead. Sorry. Would you would you consider um, Bomb to be a literary influence at all, or is it just sort of incidental that he was also a writer? It's it's interesting you should say that because I, I never really. Uh, well, my adult self, as it were, I never really found Baum's uh, works to be that interesting. I'm more of a Lovecraft, uh, Tolkien kind of guy when it comes to right. literary uh, tastes. Um, but I was read those books when I was younger. Can't, I can't remember half of the stuff, but I remember certain characters like the Wicked Witch, you know, um, like the Gnome King. And for some reason or another, I just chose it as my you know, username, like I said, because my edgy teenage self was like, yeah, that's a cool name. <laughs> and, of course, uh, everyone's like, oh, it must be an interesting literary reference. And it's, it's no, it's because I thought it sounded cool. And that's the only reason why. <laughs> hey, cool names are cool, right? <laughs> mm, exactly. All right. Good stuff from both of you here. So let's go ahead and um, go into pretty much... Half the reason why you two are here, uh, which is, of course, transformation and how you got into that. So uh, going back to Crazy Husky here, what uh, got you into the transformation genre? Um, yeah, uh, transformation stuff has kind of always been like something I've always been interested in for my kid because... Back in the day when there used to be libraries and there used to be books, 
I used to always like read these sort of like horrid Henry and Goosebumps and fantasy books. You know, they're the things that sort of interested me. And it's a reason why I like centaurs, tours and steers so much. Because, you know, that's kind of where they come from-ish. Same with werewolves, obviously, you know. So, as I was sort of growing up, it's like stuff I really liked. And then it sort of bridged over to the furry fandom where, you know, one day I was just looking through sort of like werewolves and stuff Mm -hmm. while I was online and came across, you know, furry stuff. And I thought it was like werewolves and were creatures, and then found out what it was, and you know, decided to get engaged with it. So <laughs> it's kind of the fact that it's kind of always been in the background of what I like doing. So you know, transitioning from human to beast-like creature things has always been a fascination of mine from a from, like, probably say near teenagehood. <laughs> so. Okay. So when you started out with werewolves and you came across this discovery of other weird creatures, um, from what you're saying <laughs> here, there wasn't really much of a reluctance uh, as far as discovering this and wanting to get involved. It was more of an expansion of what you're already interested in? Pretty much. <laughs> Okay. I would say that's probably the case for most of us. Neat. Um, Melifox, you got anything to add to that? Uh, just the uh, this common werewolf-like transformation into the furry fandom route is just I'm so so familiar to to most <laughs> of us. It's Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but for me, it's more like I did sort of like re-fantasy sort of creature type things as well. But it it's more of a fact that I was just like, oh, I, you know, where's a kid? It was just like, I like all the beast or animal sort of playable characters. I'm going to play as those rather than the human uh, ones. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think it really boils down to everybody had the interest. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about as far as enthusiasts that go back to like the 80s and 90s and whatnot. Um, but really the introduction of the internet just sort of everybody found the same thing and it went from there <laughs> pretty much that's all i can say really it's yeah. just like oh there's more people who like this stuff let's right. go talk to them <laughs> exactly so um good stuff and how about you uh gnome king what you got um i think it's pretty much the same story for uh for, for virtually every transformation fan out there um it happened when you were young uh, for me, it was must have been certainly younger than at least eight, maybe seven. Oh. Um, I, it was it was quite an early start for me. Um, I remember quite fondly looking at, uh, getting obsessed actually over finding transformation literature, uh, media um, at the libraries, like you know, like Faust was saying, but um, also trying to find things um, that would that would you know sate that interest. So it must have been before, but I do remember very fondly in my mind. Well, maybe not so fondly, um, Pinocchio, mm-hmm. um, and the both horrific and somewhat funny scene where um, one of the characters now I, I, his name escapes me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
gets double crossed and turned into a donkey. Right. Uh, and you know the kicking, the braying, all that. Yeah. It, it scarred me as a child. Scarred me deep, um, but I think I think it's the case with quite a few uh, transformation mm-hmm. fans. One of which I know who's a who's not so fan uh, fond of donkeys, um, but he's a big transformation fan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that, it kind of spiraled on. You know, the Animorph series, uh, uh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was I think it was the Disney film Pinocchio that really kind of that did it for me. Um, mm-hmm. I know that Pinocchio actually converted quite a few to the TF fandom. Um, I think I may have seen some other mythological references to transformation, yep. things like in Greek and Roman mythology, yep. um, which I was fascinated as as a kid. Then one thing led to another, mm-hmm. got a computer, found things transfer, docs lab, a couple of other sites which I don't believe exist anymore, and Sadly. Uh, here I am. Yeah. Yep. And also probably a similar story for most that have been in the <laughs> fandom for so long. Um, but it's interesting you bring up the idea of um, horror um, stemming back to the Pinocchio and how as a kid, you know, it's something most, if probably not all, would never have experienced before something as drastic as that. Um, mm. But it's intriguing to think about it now since in a general consensus uh, transformation um, is pretty much generalized as a horror uh, genre. Um, mm. just becoming this monster that's going to eat everybody. Um, but also sort of like looking on the other, other side of the spectrum, even outside transformation, um, relating to genres such as like um, extreme fetishes, you know, like the Fifty Shades of Grey book and just the sort of really extreme fetish styles involved in that and how most would see that, you know, as a, I guess a fetish for lack of better terms, but would also on the same spectrum, um, not really want to be maybe involved in something like that in real life. Mm. So it's kind of an interesting correlation now that you say that, but, um, yeah, definitely something I'm sure most could relate to. Um, I think, I think psychologically speaking, most fetishes are ingrained when you're quite young King, right. kinks and fetishes i think are quite different mm-hmm. um fetishes form a, a, a quite a large part of your sexuality and mm-hmm. to a certain extent your psyche so i think right. that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people in the transformation fandom who who love transformation a lot tend to have these similar experiences of early in childhood because mm-hmm. i think that's where it starts that's where it gets ingrained and then from mm-hmm. there it grows and develops and and obviously you've got fur affinity and transfer and docs right. lab and all these science exactly in a way you kind of wonder if um because you know growing up in school uh you learn about you know self-identity and cliques and all that sort but um if you kind of think about it you can almost consider it like your own personal identity as far as uh sexuality orientation and fetishes and all that sort because it's something that you publicly don't want to discuss in fear of, you know, being singled out or something like that. But it's realistically, um, most probably wouldn't speak of as in terms of your actual personal identity, I guess. 
I think I think it does form a part of your your personality. I think sexual orientation and sexual preferences. I think sexuality is a part of people. Mm-hmm. Um, some it may be more important for some, maybe less so for others. But I think it does form a part of who you are as a person. Right. Um, so obviously, th- those of us who, you know, may be into transformation and may be into it quite, you know, heavily, and it forms a, a large base of their entire sexuality. Right. It may you know, it may constitute a large portion of their personality. So, and of course, trying to keep that secret from all the prying eyes of all the normies and all that stuff, you know, (laughs) (laughs) such a bold term. (laughs) What is a normie? (laughs) I suppose you could just say it's the normal folk who aren't transformation fans. Yeah, (laughs) I guess they're, they're into other stuff. So they're automatically weird in our eyes. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, Meliflux, not sure if you wanted to add anything to that. Well, I was just curious. You, well, you talked about the sort of the horrific Pinocchio scene, which scarred me as well. Um, <laughs> you know, and talking as well about how those early, sometimes horrific experiences, like, form our fetishes, um, maybe sort of as a defensive mechanism. But I've noticed a bit of a correlation between uh, people who tend towards, like, equine equine characters horse yep and people whose first experiences were with that pinocchio scene do, do you think there's a, like a direct correlation there there's a direct tie oh oh yeah def- definitely um i'm not sure if you know zai uh i don't i'm not i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that name correctly at all z-a yeah. um i-e i think mm-hmm. uh he's a he's a good friend of mine lovely guy um and he's a donkey and his first ever transformation experience was Pinocchio. I think it affected him a bit more than I did, a bit more it did than uh, to me. Um, But I know quite a few transformation fans like myself who really do like, you know, the equine transformations, you know, horses, donkeys, zebras, um, whose first sort of experience of transformation was uh, the traditional horrific Pinocchio transformation of, uh, um, I can't remember his name. I think it was Lamplight. Might be Lamplight. Yeah, no, Um, Lamplight. Empire that sounds right. Lamp, that sounds Lamp right. Wick. Lamp Wick. I yeah, think it was Lamp. Yep, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, into a into a uh, four legged beast, which was mm-hmm. always quite quite scary as a child. But now you look back on it and uh, doesn't seem so scary. Right. So, what's the difference between donkeys and horses then? What? Why does one person like the donkey TF more, and why does another like the horse TF more? Is there a difference, or is it just sort of a, an arbitrary preference? Well, they're both they're both from the same genus, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So they're both equids, equines, um, but they're obviously two different species. Um, I think they can they can interbreed, but I think it's just purely aesthetic, um, like the 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 you know the noise that they make, the, the the appearance of their fur, the tail, the size, that kind of thing. Um, I think donkeys have obviously they have a slightly longer ears. Um, so maybe it's just an aesthetic thing, or maybe, like you said, it's a particularly strong correlation with those who've seen Pinocchio, and maybe donkeys hold a very special place in their heart. Um, I could probably think it could also derive um, just a general cater uh, well, just a general uh, thought process when you think about the two species. Uh, of course, like when someone thinks of a horse, it's you know something majestic, something proud. Um, whereas mm. I guess again, relating to the Pinocchio series and how they sort of set the tone with that, um, donkeys more related to being an ass, um, really stubborn and all that sort. Uh, and I guess how that relates to 
each owns individual personality in that in that sort of sense. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe more of a humiliation aspect to the right. donkey. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I've definitely seen high correlations of people who love humiliation aspects and transformation. You know, being being turned into a lesser something lesser something base. Um, mm. Where in comparison to like like well, as as Faust was saying before like werewolf transformations which i know tend to be more centralized around power and strength and becoming something greater than what you are at that point in time um so it's it's interesting to see that dynamic there and you know the origins and of of different transformation fans and how those affect their tastes right okay good stuff um and i still mean to seem a little biased here so (laughs) we'll get to you in a second (laughs) Um, but one thing I did want to ask in particular to you, Gnome King, um, in relation to pretty much your contribution to the transformation community, um, or even in general, um, pretty much why do you, you know, do stories? What about stories interest you that um, gave, you to, gave you the spark to jump and do your own? Oh, Lord. Um, I'm not sure, actually. I think... Um... When I first started to really want to write, um, write, write transformation literature, I'm not sure if you know uh, Hellcat, yes, uh, von von Krieger, von Krieger. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, there, that, that that person is kind of my inspiration oh. to start writing. Really, um, yeah. I, I wrote, I read their stories. I really mm-hmm. liked them, and I thought I could do that. Um, I think I kind of enjoy as well the the, the power that literature has mm-hmm. to invoke. Um, people's imaginations, right? Um, like how people experience different things with writing, how their own kind of subjective views can create something quite unique in comparison mm-hmm. to maybe what the writer intended. So I think that's quite a an interesting sort of uh, aspect. Um, I, do, I do enjoy the process of writing, you know, mm-hmm. thinking up characters, plot, turning the ideas into a story. Um, may, may I think a big part of it as well was... Um, you know the, the transformation community has always been very giving, um, mm. and I was a lurker for ages. You know, and I felt kind of selfish. You know, I was just kind of <laughs> leeching on all these great pictures and stories yeah. and content. All these people, these fantastic people, made uh, Griff, for example, amazing, amazing mm. artist, yeah. insanely good stuff. Um, and I and I looked at this guy's stuff and I thought he's doing. He's spending so much of his time um, working on you know working on all these fantastic. Um, transformation pictures and, and videos. I think he, he think he did a sea change um, video uh, ages yeah. back. I think it was a dolphin, which was, mm-hmm. again, sticks in my mind very, very um, strongly. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to give back since I was doing precious little with my time. <laughs> I kind of wanted to improve my writing, yeah. make a bit of cash on the side, but I think it's mostly for fun. Right. I don't do it professionally. It's not my job, not my dream. It's just, it's just a hobby, mm-hmm. really. Okay. So do you... Um... And yeah, we actually did have uh, Hellcat in season one, and uh, he, oh wow, yeah, he's an interesting guy. I think <laughs> I remember stumbling across his works because I believe he doesn't really do too much stories now. I'm not sure what the backstory on that matter is. Um, but really, what made him stick out is that uh, kind of like how you're saying he expands on creativity. Um, you know, if you kind of observe the evolution of the content material involved with transformation from say like the nineties with the old groups like transfer and docs lab. Um, 
very tame in terms of what's involved. You know, like maybe you have something simple as a girl or a man turning into a cat or a horse and that's it. Whereas you come to his works and it's like, you know, you got hermaphrodite matter, uh, breast growth, things really outside of the box. Um, mm. Especially for the sort of um, inception of his works. So, yeah, definitely an interesting guy um, and interesting stuff he's gotten put out there. But um, to digress here, one thing I want to know is sort of your opinion as far as comparing stories to art. Um, one thing I have discussed um, with one of our prior podcasters by the name of Katena, also known as uh, Katernalia, um, is that she felt stories give a little bit more of a creativity to the reader or the observer compared mm. to art. Um, of course, when you're reading, you visualize what's going on in your head, whereas with like a piece of art, it's already preset for you. It's already happening. So do you kind yes. of relate to that sort of thought process? Yeah, um, I think that's essentially what I was referring to previously with, mm -hmm. um, with how uh, your own subjective views and opinions and thought process can create something very unique. Mm -hmm. uh, again, in, from, from what the writer intended maybe in the first place, which is one of the reasons why I quite like it. Um, as far as, as relative skill level, as objective skill level goes, mm -hmm. I, might, I might actually be particularly, I might gain an unpopular, uh, a bit of unpopular here, but I actually genuinely believe that um, from an objective skill point, mm -hmm. art takes more than, than writing. Right. Um, because writing, you can you can pick it up, you can do it. Obviously, mm -hmm. it takes skill to do it well. But mm -hmm. um, with with artwork, there's a lot that you can get wrong. Um, there's you know 3D orientation, there's anatomy, there's all sorts of stuff. With writing, you can push a lot of that to the sidelines. It's it's very easy to create you know a, a, a very stats you know standard story if you don't suffer from you know um, dyslexia that kind of thing. Right. Um, but uh, I suppose it could be harder for some people and easier for others. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as the actual um, subjective quality of, of art and, and literature, mm -hmm. I think they're both equally as, as valid and, and equally as, um, uh, as, as you know, um, enjoyable for the, for the transformation community as a mm -hmm. whole. I, I love seeing all the artwork, the fantastic pieces and, and, and really imaginative stuff that people can do with artwork. Right as well as stories as well. And I try, obviously I try and do, you know, imaginative stuff and try and appeal to people's um, tastes and, and, you know, but, um, but it's, it's nice that some people get, you know, some people get different things from, from stories as well. I think that's quite nice. Right. Definitely. Sorry. Sorry if I'm mumbling. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, now um, sort of thinking about it, when it comes to like art, because I know you've actually done a bit of art yourself, looking at your uh, FA page here. <laughs> um, when it comes to doing art and stories, because you said that you feel doing stories is more of a hobby rather than you know something to kind of make the money here. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel for most writers, uh, not even strictly for transformation? I get a bit of more self-appreciation um, for doing stories rather than art. Um, and I'm saying this because, you know, I often hear artists who 
get a sort of burnout from doing like commissions because they have to be so specific for what the commissioner wants. Um, and it kind of restricts as far as creativity and um, sort of making the piece their own. So what were your thoughts on that? It's it's very interesting that you say that because um, I do actually also get creative burnout. I think any creative, no matter what you're doing, it could be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it could be visual artwork, it could be literature, it could be, you know, um, it could be even music. I know musics as mm-hmm. creatives they get uh, they get burned out um, oh, yeah. quite easily. Um, but with regards to specif- uh, specificity, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. um, with commissions. Um, I know that from personal experience, talking to a, a, a wide variety of artists, mm-hmm. um, they do get burned out um, from not necessarily. It's not necessarily always the how specific they want the picture, but from the quantity of requests that they get. Um, if it's like the same theme or the same thing over and over and over and over and over, and over again, it can get a bit grating. Right. Um, and it's something that I've experienced as well, where sometimes it, it actually sometimes works in the opposite direction, where as a writer, sometimes all you want is someone to be specific and tell you, I'd want this, 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 and this. And you can just go, right, that's it. Mm-hmm. Go off and do it. Um, and other times I've really wanted that personal freedom to, you know, make a story, as you said, my own and and doing this and doing the same thing. I think, um, I think both artists, any creative could, could get burned out from that, um, given enough time and, and enough restriction. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And just to kind of open it up a bit, um, since crazy Husky yourself, you're a colorist. So you're obviously involved in the visual aspect of contribute contribution. Um, so we'll go ahead and allow you to, open up about your experience with that matter? Hmm. Well, it's not... Well, I've had burnouts before where it... Uh, he says, yeah, it is a bit consuming to sort of do a lot of stuff. And mm. a few times I have burnt myself out over long transformations. And that's uh. why sometimes, like, you know, long pieces take forever because it's like i'm working on one and then it's just like i hit a wall it's just like i've got to do this but at the same time it's like i just can't motivate myself to do it because you hit that sort of motivational wall that block that it's just like okay you've done enough of this so with me it's like i've got to that's why sometimes I like to sort of go and find like random pieces of artwork to color because then it's like, it's Mm -hmm. a break from its main thing Mm -hmm. and it's completely something different. And, you know, it's sort of just, you know, I spend like a day or two sort of just doing something else. And then, you know, that other bit, it's just like, okay, now that bit's different. I'll finish that off type thing because it can get a bit tiring. <laughs> yeah. And I know um, uh, artists like What's Up, um, whom I've spoken to, um, and even other artists as well, they like to do the same thing where um, they're just devoting, like, say, an hour or a couple hours to do artwork, and they would have different canvases open of 
different commissions or what have you, just to sort yeah. of break the monotony of doing the same thing and then getting so involved with it that it can potentially, you know, damage the end result of that. So just constantly having something different going on in different, um, different stages or periodics just to sort of keep the interest and keep the creative mind flowing in that sense. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see that coming from your, from your perspective. <laughs> um, so I've uh, been droning on for a little bit on that. So Meliflox, was there anything else you wanted to add to it? Well, I just, the, the issue of creatives burning out is, um, I think pretty close to everything because, you know, everybody starts off in transformation at some point creating their own content for themselves. I mean, their initial transformation fantasies are in a way, you know, writing stories for themselves or drawing pictures in their head. And, you know, the moment you become, you feel like you become a one trick pony, like you're doing something um, almost for everybody else. It stops like being for yourself and sort of the natural interest in transformation as being something that is fulfilling or interesting to the self it, it ends so you're doing something you're supposed to love that normally you would that's for some reason you can't really seem to enjoy on your own you make it for other people to enjoy but it's difficult during the process to to get into it yourself mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if you've had this experience um crazy husky or, or no king where you you can't really like go back and like view your own work or read your own work because it's just you don't get anything from it. Do you have that experience? Yep. Somewhat. It's just uh <laughs> No, I was just gonna say it's just like but no, sometimes I've gone back and it's been like it's been that long since I've done that and it just felt like because it took so long to do because I got so much block, you know. But so demotivated, it just doesn't feel like it at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess, I mean, stuff gets made, so we all find ways around it eventually. But I know. Mm-hmm. anyways, uh, moving on. I'm I'm curious. At what point does transgenderism start to come into play, specifically for you, Gnome King? Because I'm, I'm mm. as far as I'm aware, um, Faust does not involve much of the TG, at least comparatively, right? Comparatively, no. It's more like, if I'm asked to do it, I'll do it. But it's not a main thing of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, Gnome King, it's a, it's a pretty central theme. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it's, it's quite interesting um, that you should mention uh, TG is because it's... Um, for me, I think it kind of... I, th- I think uh, I think transformation uh, definitely came first. Um, T- TG was kind of attack uh, attack on kink at the at the beginning. Um, at first, it, it kind of quickly grew and took a somewhat of life of its own. Um, and I kind of gained to appreciate it more and more as its own thing. Um, I think TG as a as a as a as a theme is is it adds a certain dimension and an extra dimension to, to transformation that's quite difficult to get anywhere else. Um, so, what, what was the question that you had again? Uh, well, I suppose I was curious at what point that shift in thematic focus happens for you personally. Mm. 
Oh, that's it's it's difficult to to pinpoint an exact time. Um, I think I definitely enjoy TG most when it's when it's uh, combined with transformation, uh, whether it's um, uh, non-morphic animals or anthropomorphic animals or um, or even even just TG on its uh, by itself um, is is pretty interesting. I, I can't I can't say I could pin down an exact point at when I really started to uh, to enjoy it. I think. It was maybe I think it may have been around the time that I started commissioning pictures um, from Gil Panda, Black Shirt Boy. I think it was around the time I started commissioning Black Shirt Boy that it really started to take off because he is a uh, a literal master at transgender. I mean, he's he is bonkers at it. Um, it's one of the reasons why I've got quite a few pictures from him, all of which are transformation uh, TG. Sorry. Um, it may have been around that time I started to get into it, but um, as as a as a theme, it kind of just grew steadily until it, until I went, oh, I I kind of love this. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to explore it, and uh, and uh, and now I'm even into the to the to the standard TG community. Well, not the community, but the standard TG elements without any kind of species transformation. So male human to female human. That's interesting because um, not a lot of people make that jump to the pure transgenderism. I feel for most people, it's, it's still tied to the TF to the end. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting. I mean, definitely for me, the transformation aspect is what definitely got me into it. I, I do love the transformation aspect of TG, you know, the, the transition from male to female or, or female to male. Female to male transformations are rare, uh, rarer than male to female, I think, because of a lot of the fan base of transformation and potentially tg i might be wrong there uh tends to be male in sex um so that may be where the fantasy comes from that that exotic idea comes from um so transformation uh from from one gender to the other one sex to the other is really interesting to me but i also quite like the idea of what it would be like afterwards you know how it would affect one uh, one's personality uh their thoughts ideas and gain an overall just greater appreciation for the opposite sex i think that's something that i don't think i think many men don't do is truly appreciate what it's like to be a woman and I don't know, I'm not a woman, so I, I couldn't say uh, with any certainty whatsoever. But I think women in general do maybe think about more about maybe what it's like to be a man. I don't know. I'm just stipulating here. I could be completely wrong. Um, we could be equally as uh, uh, men, men and women could be equally as uh, as oblivious to each other as <laughs> as, uh, as, um, as I think. But um, I'd, I'd like to think that men, uh, that women tend to appreciate men's differences a bit more than men do. Um, so it's nice to think about what it would be like to be a woman and how that would affect you and what it would be like. And yeah, I, I, I think TG has its has its um, uh, has it has it has a has a, a great interest to me in that regard as well. But then on on the other entire other side of the spectrum, I'd say in, as far as your developing interest, you have um, some of the stuff like Cruelty of Men, which is sort of where where gender is. I mean, it's it's like kind of everything at once, like. Whereas transgender is sort of a, a pleasant idea, you know, to explore the experience of the other sex. I mean, um, your story, The Cruelty of Men, is, is well, controversial in that it's <laughs> it's rather horrific. It, it's about oh, yeah. the horror of the experience and sort of the loss of of the human experience rather than addition to it. 
So yes. w- what was it like writing that? Um, and, and how much do you still take interest in those themes? That's a big question. Um, um, well, that's uh, with the cruelty of men. That was, uh, if I recall correctly, that was a demon man commission, and yes. quite a hef- quite a hefty one at that. And if if, if anyone here knows demon man, mm-hmm. um, you'll know exactly what his themes are like, and you'll oh, know exactly yeah. what his uh, his ideas are like. Very sex- sexual transformation, um, additional. Uh, human humanoid aspects, no, not really much animal transformation, merging, fusion, uh, assimilation, that kind of thing. It's a very much a degradation of the self rather than an, than an addition or a an enhancement. And I think as a transformation as a theme is body horror. Every type of transformation doesn't matter what it is, uh, whether it's the where, whether it's the most cutest, cuddliest little pupper transformation um, to the most horrific, terrifying, merging tentacle beast, you know, eldritch horror from beyond the stars kind of transformation. You, you could go into all sorts of weird shit. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I don't want to swear. If <laughs> That's fine. That's just, just you're okay. very passionate. There That's are children awesome. listening. <laughs> There are children listening to this adult the children, man, the children. Think of the children. Um, but I think all transformation is body horror. And I think I gain an appreciation for the horrific aspects of transformation, since that is a theme. I don't enjoy it as much. And I can't say, if I'm being 100% honest, I'm not a big, as, a big of a fan of, of that theme and that those ideas as I am now, as I was. Um, I think back then it was kind of like a new thing for me going, oh, this is really weird and dark and, 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 and edgy and stuff, and I'll give this a go. And, and I, I did enjoy I did enjoy the, the more terrifying aspects to it because I very rarely get to explore those um, in commission work because a lot of people tend to like more pleasurable transformations because at the end of the day, it's smart, isn't it? To, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about a positive experience in one way or the other. So a wholly negative transformation for me was it was from a literary standpoint was interesting. Um, a challenge, a new challenge yeah, as a writer. Exactly. Uh, terrifying. Uh, I, I terrified myself with some of the ideas that uh, that I came up with and Demon Man and I brainstormed. Um, so yeah, it does kind of um, sort of uh, I don't know. It so, somewhat unsettles me. Um, I, I maybe feel a somewhat ashamed because, like, even within the transformation community, that kind of transformation is not always seen as, I don't know, acceptable or normal. Well, it's, it's sort of its separate realm, the Legends Belial realm, yeah. right? Very nice. Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's a different community in many ways. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe the aspects of merging, assimilation, fusion, those, those aspects I really do enjoy. I still do really really love and i think those those were the aspects that really drew me and that hooked me to that idea um and then the horrific aspects of course the more liter from a raw literary standpoint was where that interest lies um but from a purely taste standpoint from my personal perspective um it was the merging it was the fusion the assimilation that that really piqued my interest um and I, and I still do like that to a certain extent, uh, but I don't explore it nearly as much as other themes like, you know, standard feral transformation, for example. Right. And um, relating back to what you said as far as horror, I mean, I'm sure 
just the intriguingness of the the subject material i guess you can kind of relate it to like um like stephen king's works or um even like the nightmare on elm street and like the ever so popular cockroach tf involved in that and just how horrendous how horrendous the outcome of that was um but just just you know interesting to see something different than the norm that i guess sort of jogs the uh the mind on that matter yeah well i think if you if you were to think about it from a real world perspective mm-hmm. transformation again it, i suppose it depends on what it is but transformation nearly nearly any respect would be terrifying mm-hmm. would probably be very painful it would probably be very terrifying and horrific mm-hmm. and probably not a thing that you would actually want want to happen which is i think mm-hmm. is very important to separate the reality and the fantasy which is why you get lots of people writing stories about turning into a you know a donkey or a horse or right. a giant werewolf with big big muscular abs mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I suppose it's it's depending on on what people prefer, but uh, I think mm-hmm. at its core, transformation, the, the the metamorphosis from one form to another is body horror. Um, it always will be, um, but that's just that's just my personal opinion. I I might uh, I might have differing dissenting opinions on that one. I'm sure most do, but um, <laughs> just to digress a little bit, since we're kind of comparing your comfort zone versus your non-comfort zone. Um, and this goes both to you and Crazy Husky, but how would you two kind of describe your own personal style? Um, I know you, Crazy Husky, just observing your works, um, you like to work a lot with, you know, light colors, um, um, and then you, um, Numb King, kind of very, I guess you could say flexible as far as what you involve with your, uh, stories, but also uh, very detailed as far as the whole process of the transition of one form to another. Uh, so if you two can kind of just expand about what you guys have involved and why you do it. What was the question again? Sorry. Um... So how would, how would you describe your personal style? Well, in the sense of coloring, I'd say that, yeah, I tend to like use lighter colors mostly, and I just like bright, vibrant things. I mean, don't get me wrong, the whole sort of dungy, cringy, dark style just kind of just doesn't sit with my personality. Okay. So I tend to like things that are colorful and bright. But have a dark sort of undertone. And you kind of seen in a lot of the stuff that I've sort of, well, I wouldn't exactly say that I'm a writer as such, but a few of the transformations that I've done, I'm the one who's pretty much written the dialogue and sort of storyboarded it and like did the rough sketches. And then a couple of buddies of mine have sort of done the line art to it. So it's pretty much like writing and doing it <laughs> in a sense so in that kind of thing yeah writing those were some of your first posts to for affinity right it's like almost eight, eight years ago now right well not those were uh, those ones were like way old but i'm talking about the transformation ones like the um one that me and 
intro runway did and the um the one around christmas the present one is one that i pretty much did write for myself and the same with like the whole transformer tour series type ones all of those are the types that i'm the one doing all the writing behind <laughs> in the themes but in the sense of those yeah Oh, a sense of sort of colouring, yeah, I prefer the light stuff. I don't know why, it just, it just feels better just to do, uh, I don't know, I don't think I could really do anything that was like, grungy and, it's just, I don't know, sorry, I'm just lost for chain of thought. <laughs> so it's almost, it's, would it, you say it's playful? I mean, transformation is sort of a playful subject for you. It's you know you you enjoy. Um, I like enjoying the torment of others. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you take a lot of. I mean, you're very bubbly yeah. about transformation and and this the stories and the characters behind it. I can tell there's something that's um, mostly positive energy. It seems for you. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. A lot of people like to be transformed in the sense you know it's just like it's a fantasy they want to be transformed but i'm kind of the other way around at times it's more like i'd rather sit there and just torment somebody and then watch them transform hence why i write a few of the ones that i write i'm the one doing it to people because you know it's more of that sort of you know bending the person and then <laughs> molding them making them what you want really but at the same time you know it happens to me as well so <laughs> so you're the uh evil scientist guy with the the deep dark agenda yes <laughs> well that's kind of the theme i'm going for in the later things of the transformation with the tours anyway it's kind of like, I know it doesn't look like it at first, but the tour stuff I've done, oh, it's a transformation, is actually like a whole story I wrote, but I've just broken it down into chunks and then sort of just picked out bits that would make, you know, the transformation area bits of the story, then just turned it into like a comic type thing. <laughs> so, okay. Yes. <clears throat> And uh, how about you, Gnome King? Uh, I just wanted to say that I um, I actually really like the the more colourful um, the ways uh, the, the way that Faust does his colouring um, because it's it is colourful and I I do really like the lighter tones as well. Um, but it's not overly garish. I do I do really like the way you colour um, and it does and, and obviously the way you you know your uh, personality when it comes to transformation is very bubbly, positive, um, you know. I suppose very much like your coloring style is very colorful. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, what was the, what was the question again? Was it describing, describing personal, style? personal style? Oh, right. Um, sorry. I completely, completely got lost to the question there. Um, I would say drawn out and painful, like <laughs> bleeding to death. I'm just, I'm kidding. Um, I do tend to write a lot though. <laughs> I think mm. I think the most common like uh, observation I get is is detail. 
Um, mm. I think that's whether that's good or bad is entirely subjective. Uh, some some people uh, prefer more uh, succinct stories where it gets to the transformation quickly. You know, it, it flows better and it's less arbitrary. Um, mm. I think some prefer do prefer more the, the more complex stories and characterizations. Mm. I am trying to improve. Um, I do try and do more of the latter where possible, but I think the former is is more popular. Um, so I, I, I do try and pack in lots of detail and, and anatomically correct morphing into the transformation scenes to you know, somewhat pad it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't ever want to write for the sake of writing. I'll try and write um, however much is needed, but never any more, <laughs> never any less. But that's ironic saying because my story is apparently massive. Um, uh, I think one of my one of my transformation stories, which was a dear transformation novella, admittedly did have a lot of backstory and mm. in between between the transformations i think it was about 40 something thousand words mm. so it was it was you know short novella length um i would love to that's something I, I have been trying to work on more and more recently is is being more a little bit more concise and fluid rather than having trying to rely on the heavy descriptions getting the emotion the the feel the fluidity of the transformation and the scenes um flow better like um, I, just, I just essentially just want to try and become better in a literary sense mm-hmm. since it's a hobby. I don't really put too much effort and focus into, you know, into that side of things. Right. Um, but uh, I, th- I think long, uh, long and uh, detailed is pretty much how most people would describe my style. <laughs> I mean, your works are just, there's like so many things that you've sort of created. I mean, you've obviously done the, body horror stuff with demon man um you've done tg stuff you've done group transformations um Mm -hmm. you know heteros it's just it's just so wide of what you've done so um i mean it's nothing wrong with that of course it definitely shows that you're willing to um not really build any barriers but um i mean in terms of your personal style of course i i guess you could again say um, very detailed, uh, lots of build-up for your your stories, just to sort of set the premise of what's going on. So I think mm-hmm. that's probably the best thing, like you said, that really stands out about your material. Oh well, thank thank you very much. It's nice to hear. Uh, nice to hear that people actually enjoy the variety as well. It's um, a lot of people like you know their own specific species. They have their tastes, and and that's mm-hmm. fine. I I can't really say that I'd ever have. Um, there's no set number of species mm-hmm. that I really like. I'll, I'll like if it's transformation, it's transformation. Right. I'm there. I'm 100% on board if it's TF. So species are kind of a secondary thing for me. Species and themes. I I, I could I could take anything. Um, heterosexuality, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, donkeys, horses, dogs, cats, <laughs> squid, octopus. Go all the go all go all out. You know, I, I'm right. I'm I don't really have a preference. <laughs> So, yeah, no, definitely no problem with that. I mean, it's just, I guess, a different way of putting it. Um, but, I mean, kind of comparing to you, Crazy Husky, where you have a um, more of a central character, Faust, who just more or less gets involved in this various scenarios. I know the Husky, of course, is a common reoccurrence. Um, and then you're sort of expanding to sort of the Tar universe. Um, I'm not sure if you've sort of ventured on to different species but uh kind of flipping the the um 
sort of subject material where instead of having various um, forms and different people, you have more of a central character. Uh, I guess I could relate to one of our um, previous podcasters, um, HG300, also, uh, I forgot what name he also goes by, but he has the Falcon with the jersey, um, or the Eagle with the jersey that you know, transforms. Um, HD three three zero zero. Yeah. So, um, again, an essential character that you, from seeing it so much, you kind of know who it is, and then you just see it in different scenarios. In that sense, um, so of course, two different ways to look at how um, different people approach the the matter. So good stuff on that. But uh, just to sort of um, put a close to the. Uh, first part of our session here um gnome king we've already got a bit of a backstory of how you came into contributing to the transformation genre uh but as far as yourself crazy husky how did you sort of get yourself involved well it's more it's more of a fact that it was probably just a never ability eventually i probably would have gone there anyway i mean there's just many artists that when I started looking, because as I said earlier, I came from, say, like, werewolves and transformation and other sort of fantasy creatures. And mm-hmm. everyone knows, like, Arnina, I think, how you pronounce it. Um, her work and mm-hmm. other people like that, I was just watching. So, to be honest, it would have just been, like, uh, just there's just like a t- ticking time bomb and <laughs> i would have just got into transformation or eventually <laughs> <laughs> so do you say with like your involvement as far as being a colorist do you um or did you come into contributing by you know having a thought process of okay there's this piece done by you know arania um as an example that she said that you want to pretty much add dynamics or a sort of different perspective to that existing piece? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it didn't always start off with, like, doing work for other people. It was more like I got into, say, like, the fandom, and then I got a piece of work from somebody, and Mm -hmm. actually, well... I got a piece of work from someone and then, you know, it was just like, mm-hmm. I looked at it and I was just like, well, it's fine. This and it could do this on. And one of my friends who, well, was who knew me before I joined mm-hmm. said that you already do texture work and like little bits and bobs for like, well, it was more like I did modding and sprite work and it was like, you could easily just, you know, color it yourself rather than them and I was just like fine I'll just do it (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of how it went that's how kind of it started really (laughs) Uh, now I just spent you know eventually it's just like over the years just you know found bits and got bits for myself and just developed my skills from there (laughs) hey I mean that's you gotta start somewhere (laughs) Pretty much. Now, have you always have you always wanted to just color, or have you also wanted to like do some inking or sketching yourself? Oh, that's kind of thing. Is like 
I've always had like a habit of doodling and drawing and well I would like to do that sort of stuff but at mm-hmm. the same time it's like at this point in time I can sort of probably try I mean it'll take a long while mm-hmm. I feel like but it would be something I'd have to spend a lot of time to invest in if I was going to do it and it wouldn't start off as like a transformation aspect because there's so much to learn in terms of drawing humans and then yeah. drawing different types of animals because you have to like you know different type you have to do all these body types and all these other stuff and I don't usually do that. I mean, with the drawings and little doodles I do, they tend to be like chibi and toonish kind of stuff. Like, so that's kind of what I would stick with. So the body shapes wouldn't really matter because it's cartoons in a sense. (laughs) But it's just sort of getting the time and, well, I'd have to say the money really to sort of sit down and do stuff. Probably you'd have to look for like a mentor or somebody to help me, to be honest, like just help start. I mean, I can draw a bit, but I guess it would have to be like, it'll take me a while to sort of get up to a standard that I feel like would be suitable for doing it for someone else. <laughs> All right. So it's just more of a devoting a time investment to the matter. Yeah. Okay. And it's that... not, it's, sorry. Oh, go ahead. It's not a thing I'll do right now, but it's something I've always considered to do in the future. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would say that definitely um, sort of give an emphasis to your style um, and I guess generate more um, interest. Well, not really interest, but you'll start to see people requesting or demanding your work more since you're creating things as well as, you know, adding color and all yeah, that sort of thing. Okay. There's a few people that do sort of poke me, like, now and again. It's just like, hey, I'm going to get, like, somebody to draw this. Will you color that? There's a few people that mm-hmm. I know that have done that in the past, and mm-hmm. I don't mind it so long as the artist doesn't mind it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but in the end, it's totally up to everybody else how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> and I that, don't mind if you don't mind. <laughs> hey, so, I mean, again, it's you got to start somewhere and put your name out somehow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And uh, Malflox, uh, I know you were starting to say something there before I cut you off. Oh, no, you, uh, you covered what I was possibly going to talk about, so... Okay. <laughs> well, good deal. So um, we'll go ahead and go to break here. Um, I know we flowed over our time a little bit, but no matter. Uh, we did discuss some good things, so we'll be back here shortly to continue on with part two. So thanks again for listening, everybody. This is Cheesy Dino uh, with The Changing Times, joined with co-host Meliflox, and we'll uh, be back with you shortly.
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Changing Times Transformation Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything transformation-related. This is, this is your host, Cheesy Dino, um, and here we are with the uh, final episode for Season 2, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Meliflox. Uh, so welcome back to Meliflox. Hello. Good to be back, as always. All right, and again, we're joined by our two participants. One goes by the name of Crazy Husky, also known as Faust. So welcome back to you. Hey, glad to be here. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> All right, and last but not least, we have our other participant, the Gnome King. Hello. All right, good stuff. So diving back into the program here, um, going into the second portion of uh, what we want to discuss on this particular episode. Um, so a bit more on the controversial side, um, um, more in particular with um, homosexuality within the community. Um, so of course we, on the podcast, want to expand upon um, just the different cultures involved and different orientations. So. Um, in reference to that, of course, uh, directly related to transformation for the both of you here, did, um, transformation sort of act as a vessel or a sort of spark in your own self-discovery or was it vice versa? Uh, we'll go ahead and start with you, Crazy Husky. Um, not really in the sense, but... I guess in terms of discovering the fandom, yeah. But other than that, I can't really say that it's... No, it has really paid, like, some uh, role in growth for me. But in the sense that it's not been, like, a direct thing. I mean, yeah, it helped me find the fandom, but it's more like... Because I've always kind of been interested in creatures and animals anyway, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know really how to um, say what I'm going to say for this, but it's more of the fact that it was more of a supporting factor mm-hmm. rather than a main factor, I guess. And uh, that's all I can really say about that. It didn't really do much. Right. <laughs> so you're saying your your realization about your uh, your own self, your own sexuality, predates your interest in the furry fandom, and that was just more of a way to explore um, different aspects of that part of you that you'd already acknowledged. Is that would that Pretty be accurate? Much. Pretty much. <laughs> it's more like an extension than an actual mm-hmm. main part. So, so in a sense it um like your sounds here like your experience in the real world sort of uh presented or created your personality as you are and then transformation sort of supported the aspect of you realizing that that really is who you are in a sense yes okay so i know that's a difficult uh question to <laughs> answer so no problems with that um how about yourself gnome king um 
what was it? The uh, self-discovery. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe slight contrast to, to Faust. Um, I think it probably had more of an effect on me. Um, okay. It, I think because it manifested maybe a bit earlier, um, that might be a contributing factor to it, but it definitely uh, mm-hmm. has played a bigger part, a bigger role in my life um, than most other things I can think of. Um, I think when I was younger, it probably did more harm than good, um, oh. which obviously didn't didn't help. Well, if you've got reserved parents and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that kind of you know, household, very traditional kind of thing. You can't, and there's no way to explore or ask questions or indulge it in any way. You kind of get into a sort of self-hatred mm. kind of a cycle. I sort of punished myself whenever I thought about it, or mm. whenever I enjoyed it. And I think that kind of, I think I eventually grew out of that um, when I realized it's, it's, it's going nowhere. Um, and it's not doing anyone harm, really, is it? It's, mm. it's, it's it's harmless it's you know it's something that you know transformation fans it's something we enjoy and it's not doing anyone else harm it's perfectly benign um um and i think the need to find more of it more transformation content media in pictures stories art all that um i think kind of drove me towards the internet Mm-hmm. And computers, that that solves aspect, that whole world. Um, I actually spent an, uh, a portion of my life working in that industry, the, the IT industry. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that's a direct correlation or a result of TF is no idea. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say it's definitely had an effect. Okay. And would you consider like um, like transformation being sort of a plateau or a like a comfort zone to sort of express your uh, orientation in a way that, like you said, you kind of uh, reserve yourself from like your parents or other um, real life people that you know, sort of an area where you can share what your feelings are, your expressions, while also not being judged by others um, in such a damaging matter, I guess you could say. No, I, absolutely. I I think um, that most people, most normal or sort of average ordinary people, mm-hmm. um, will not understand something like transformation mm-hmm. as a fetish. They may understand something like you know bondage, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a kink or a fetish that they've had more public exposure to. Like I think what you mentioned before with the Fifty Shades of Grey books, right. Um, that series, you know, they probably had more exposure to that, but then you, you say to them, oh, I like transforming into animals, and they'll probably go, the hell is this guy on about? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think having a an outlet, mm-hmm. a community or friends, people that understand and um, can can kind of, you can kind of sympathize with, I suppose. Right. It definitely helps. Um and I think it's it is certainly a comfort to have those in your life that share the same thing and that can get passionate about the same ideas and mm-hmm. kind of things. It's certainly a good, it's certainly a positive aspect. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. And how about you, uh, Crazy Husky? What are your sentiments on that as far as like a comfort zone uh, for this kind of thing? I think that having 
an area or like a group or somewhere you can sort of feel like it's a sanctuary where you can kind of explore your self is a nice thing like you know because i wouldn't have been able to sort of do anything if i hadn't sort of well if i didn't have like a nice sort of place i guess Mm -hmm. somewhere where i felt comfortable to sort of do what i wanted as he said well sorry (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) it's just i always get I always think of like a whole sentence and then I try to say it and it just doesn't come out right. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I think that everybody needs a place mm-hmm. online where they can feel safe to explore mm-hmm. what they're going to explore. You know, mm-hmm. because, you know, you kind of need to. It's an right. outlet. Right. And, I mean, in a way, I guess you could think of it as a a way of sort of hearing yourself express your own identity and then coming into terms, you know, just, I guess, conceptually understanding yourself, being able to see you yourself contributing mm-hmm. to this community and being able to not be so tight or reserved and holding your emotions so i guess you like you said a, a bit of a um an outburst or an outlet to really express what your true emotions are um and thinking about it i, I guess you could kind of compare and contrast to just like the furry community which is of course yeah one of the direct correlations with transformation nowadays um and especially in terms of like fursuiting um mm. I just came back um, about two weeks ago from Fernal Equinox in Toronto, Canada, um, and being my first con, uh, it's just extremely interesting to see. It is a bit mind-blowing at first. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) mean, of course, you got all these giant, you know, fursuit people walking around, and that's definitely nothing you experience every day. But, um, I mean, just the concept of you have these people that you see on places like for affinity really more online based. And then you actually see the person. Um, yeah. So you see who, who they are and who they really are and, and physical, phys- physically. Um, and yeah, of course, you can put a voice to name. You can put you a see. voice. Exactly. And then of course, in addition to that, um, um, specifically to Fernal Equinox, uh, surprisingly, there was a good number of transformation people there, so I met the likes of mm. Anger Buddha, ABCD, uh, Cobalt K, Cat Monk Shiro. And uh, from a personal cool. experience, definitely was a comfort zone. I, I really felt um, sort of fit relaxed. in. Yeah, relaxed, fit in, not reserved, like I'm going to be judged by what I say. I can express mm. my interests and in transformation. It mm. definitely is a sort of redemptious feeling of I've been having these feelings and I can actually talk about it now with actual people. Yeah. So um, definitely can That's see what that. a convention is pretty much for. Yes, exactly. It's just like you've got so much in you that, mm-hmm. you know, you can't say it physically or you can't sort of, you know, you can, there's only so much like 
words typing can really mm. you know do but when you actually get there and you're in that atmosphere it's mm-hmm. like you're what is it you freak feeling that you know you're finally getting it out of your chest and yeah. not to somebody that's just you know it's when you're behind the computer it just feels just like mm. you're talking to an object and not something that can respond back well you know well you can respond back if it's like you know mm. how we're talking now like over over voice chat but it's more of a fact that you can see someone's actual reaction engage mm. how they feel you know you can see sort of it's more of a feeling of being around somebody that feels exactly the same way as you do, that they right. felt sort of like this trapped in close thing and they're coming out as well. So it's more of this whole neutral feeling and bonding with each other over yeah. the same subject that you've both been holding on to for so long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, in a way, um, just sort of from an observative aspect, I would think that, you know, like that the idea of fursuiting sort of is like a, transi- a transformation. Yeah. yeah I think it's, it's more transition. of a transformation yeah. in its own self, really, because it's like you're going from your everyday human mm-hmm. self. And now you're this like big, fluffy sort of <laughs> dog thing mm-hmm. around the convention hall. Right. And, you know, you can just sort of let yourself go and, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't think, um, Gnome, do you have, like, have you actually been to Confuzzled yet or not? I, do you know something? I haven't, yeah. and it's it's something I'd love to do. Sadly, uh, my, 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 my financial situation, yeah, it <laughs> keeps, me, keeps me back. It, it's interesting that you should mention things like fursuiting and furries and stuff. I don't necessarily consider myself a furry. I'm more purely a TF fan, mm. but it is absolutely something I want to do because even <laughs> from a, a quote-unquote non-fur perspective, going to that convention, seeing those people there, like you're saying, putting uh, a face to a name or a voice to a name um, is, is a really good thing to do. And <laughs> I'd love to meet some tra- mm. new Transformation fans. Um, Probably you know, people then. there that, to be honest, I've, I've heard of people like... Um, even in general, have sort of said things about your work, <laughs> you know, Uh-oh. just oh. online. For better or worse. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Don't worry, you get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though, when you think it's like, you'll get that content, you know, when you put out content anywhere, like, mm-hmm. even though, like, you'll see the numbers and people, like, at least somebody there may have heard of you. Like, if you're if you put out content for about like a couple of years and you've got like a few fans and stuff, someone in a convention is gonna kind of know who you are. Mm. And when I first went back to like my first convention all the way back in 2009, mm. I went to this one called RBW, it doesn't run anymore. It stopped in 2010. Mm-hmm. But when I first went there, it was like, oh, no one's going to know me, which, you know, mm-hmm. it was just like, it was like, okay, it's just like, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to meet these guys and it'll be all new. And then I met somebody, and this is like 
because I didn't start the transformations after 2012. Oh, okay. But I'd really seen like bits of my work and stuff, mm. and it was just like, oh, and my name's Crazy Husky online and stuff. And the guy <laughs> sitting across the table was like, wait, you're that dude that colors all that stuff, aren't you? And I was like, oh my God, oh crap, <laughs> somebody really recognizes me. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, hi. And it's like, oh my god, I thought you were American. I was just like, no, you're in English. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so, it was a bit unnerving at first. Yeah. Well, that then somebody knows you and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> this is kind of, it's, it's a scary sort mm. of, I don't know how to put it into words. It's more like a, it's like a scary feeling that somebody knows you because it's a bit shocking. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you feel like, oh, cool, somebody yeah. knows me at the same time. So you get this weird sort of mixed feeling. Yeah, very, very passive, that, uh, appreciative, yet reserved feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not me it just happens to, but, right, you know, does, yeah. a lot of people who have just, like, put out on it and stuff mm-hmm. and then... You know, somebody randomly just knows what you, you know, seen your stuff that you've posted. And mm-hmm. like, oh, that's you. And they finally put a name to you. They finally put the name to the face and you're like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry yeah. to go off a tangent. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, just to summarize, I, I do believe um, cons certainly are a good, uh, good way to relate or not really relate just to immerse yourself in those people actually involved personally i would love there for there to be a couple of more um english furcons i mean we've recently kind of just got a new one called um just for the weekend which is actually this month okay i'm not going to i've heard about it and, mm. and then we've got Confuzzle, which has been going on since 2008, I think. Mm-hmm. No, 2007, I think. Yeah, 2007, because this year's the 10th year for it. Okay. So, I mean, we've only got two mm. in England. I mean, oh. there's ScotiaCon, but that's Scotland, and that's it over here. We've only got three, uh, technically. So. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I mean... would love a, tr- love a transformation con. <laughs> you know that's oh, been that somebody do that's that, been doing please? it's been doing the belts now that I've talked to people. I mean, I know because um, I'm definitely going back to Fernal Equinox next year because I'm actually hosting a TF panel for that uh, that I've already gotten the pre-approval for. Ooh, um, nice, because there is like surprisingly a large concentration of transformation enthusiasts in Toronto <laughs> from what I've found out. So that should definitely be an interesting uh, thing to see. I would love to go to EF as well. I mean, I've always kind of wanted to go to like an American or a Canadian Faircon, mm-hmm. but it's just getting the funds to go abroad. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's very expensive <laughs> for us over here in the UK mm. to go visit the uh, the US for a, for a con. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I would say Toronto or even Canada in general certainly is a good place for it since by default mm. the Canadian um, sort of expression is very open, very non-judgmental, um, whereas, you know, uh, at least, at least from my experience in the <laughs> states, it's you know you got your clicks and you got your sentiments about some particular things. Um, so I'd say 
at least one of the places that would be a good startup for something like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I digress from that, of course. I'm not sure if uh, <laughs> Melaflox wants to add anything to that to bring us back. Well, I don't know. Just to, uh, thinking about all this, I can't help but wonder, you know, if at some point, um, you know, as society becomes accepting enough to where there isn't that sort of need for that releasing, you know, that inner yourself, like having somebody to be able to talk to. Like, if there's ever a point where you could openly talk to people about something like transformation and not feeling guilt, you know, do the do the cons die? You know, does do the furry cons die? Is there a reason oh, for them no. to still exist? I don't think they'll. The thing is, like a convention. I don't think a con- conventions will ever die because no. you get conventions for everything these days. Like you know, it started off with like the whole sort of like anime and comic book stuff, and it's branched onto various different mm-hmm. societies. My sister does more because both of us do artwork. I do the furry stuff. She does the anime stuff, and she goes to anime cons, and you know, because um, there's the expo in May. It's, my mum is like, okay, both of you were at conventions in the same weekend because at the same time, Convasal runs. One of them runs in London as well. So, <laughs> so for like the past years, us two have always been at a convention at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, mum's been like, okay, I'm going to go find your sister to see how she's doing at her convention. <laughs> so. It's kind of fun like that. As I said, there'll always be this social aspect because there's only so much that um, online can give you. Because online, yeah, you can hear someone's voice. You can talk to them through text. But you won't, you know, you can do video calls, but there's always going to be a need for that physical face-to-face thing, you know. So hence why there's always going to be a need for conventions. There's always going to be a need for somewhere that, you know, everyone can gather once a year. It's sort of like Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, you know, whatever fandom or whatever sort of thing you're going to use the convention for. So, you know. Yeah. Definitely a place to gather in... uh share your interests at least for at least one part of the year. <laughs> exactly. Cause you know, you can't like all get in fursuit at home. It wouldn't really feel right. You can just say you're in your fursuit, but you're not, but you know, at a convention, you're going to say, I'm going to get into my fursuit. Then, you know, 10 mm-hmm. minutes later, you're in like a whole fursuit, <laughs> full fursuit <laughs> in front of that person, you know, <laughs> And then they can go up and shake your hand, and you know you can just mess around while you're in the suit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, good stuff, good stuff. So, um, I know we've sort of gone off on the uh, <laughs> wrong the route on here on the cons <laughs> <laughs> to, to save that story for another day. Um, uh, to bring it back here, when it comes to um, like homosexuality. Do you think that, you know, of course, the general thought process is homosexuality. You think of, you know, male with male. But in terms of the other side of the spectrum with, you know, female, female, um, do you think that's something less visible? 
What do you mean, like, lesbian? Um, it depends on where you really go. Because, like, yeah, it's always an emphasis on male sort of homosexuality, but not female homosexuality. Mostly because I think it's just the way that things are, that they always sort of go more male, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because, well, it's probably like, tied into like, the gender yeah. balance we talked about earlier. It's the yeah. uh, primarily male in the community. Yeah. So yeah. you're always going to see more male-ish mm-hmm. things. You're always going to see more males going into stuff. Because, as I said, I've been to, like... I've been to a convention for years and you'll find that I guess two thirds will probably be male or like that'd be well, you know, it'll be twenty five percent ish female or one third female. There's always gonna be the fandom in itself in general is more male dominated, even though most of the artists are female. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting that there's that there's that um, drastic difference in uh, in the differences in in the sexes. There, you've got the you know large number of men and, and reduced number of women. I, it's actually kind of sad because I'd love to see more female transformations and it, it, going back to TG more um, female to male transformations because they're always really interesting to see. But I think mm. Faust's hit the nail on the head there. It's just to do with metrics. It's to do with yeah. like the populations in that fandom and in that you know community you're going to get a proportionally higher number of male transformations if you know majority of the people who are in that fandom are male so yeah it's unfortunate it goes that way yeah but then you do get the people that do have female characters that do transform into male ones Mm -hmm. though those are a bit of on the rare side as well It's a, um, it's a big shame, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you guys bring up the, the idea of um, comparing statistics of one um, gender um, presence within the, the fandom. Because Katana, um, Kat, or Katanarlia, um, mm-hmm. I was actually with her at Fernal Equinox, um, and she actually has a Twitter presence. Um <laughs> And uh, surprisingly enough, I didn't realize this, but Twitter has statistics based on viewers and all that sort visiting your page. Um, so obviously after she posted a, several photos of her first suits um, and how she was involved in that, um, mm-hmm. there was a statistic actually of genders of percentages, what were uh, visiting her page and whatnot. And there's actually like a, I think it was like a 65 to 35 or like something uh, sort of very biased uh, comparison of male to female visiting the page. Um, And again, it goes back because I did have her on a previous podcast as well. That was another sort of controversial episode, more focused on um, the presence of women in the transformation uh, community. So I think the sort of takeaway from that episode was that in general, women are more reserved, I guess, from the um, the sort of click or the evolution of women in general. 
um, I'm not sure if I'm putting this correctly, but just the understanding that women are more of on the sub- submissive or submission, I guess, yeah, submissive side of things. Um, so it's not very typical of them or they're very afraid of being judged if they were to express their feelings, I guess. Yeah, maybe more emotion, maybe more slightly reserved uh, and less willing to come out about it because right. maybe they believe that men, or maybe they think that men um, may be more accepting. I mean, mm. I would personally love to see more uh, more women come out um, of the quote-unquote quote, quote, the woodwork, as it were, mm. um, and start to, you know, interact a bit more but obviously they don't obviously don't have to but it would right. be lovely to see more of more of that in the transformation community and Definitely. and if you have got uh, sort of an equal proportion of of men and women in in the transformation community but like you said they um the the females don't tend to express themselves as much um, it would be really nice to see more of them uh, more of them expressing themselves producing mm-hmm. really nice artwork and commissioning stuff right I mean, I'm sure, um, I mean, just from my personal experience, I'm sure there is actually equal interest um, in the fandom or the niche of transformation. It's just that, of course, statistic-wise, they don't um, present themselves as much. Because um, actually, yeah. uh, what, it, what was it, um, from research or from an observance of a study done, I think, uh, I forgot when I came across this, but uh, Tumblr, uh, which is sort of like a, I guess, an art blog of sorts, there was an actual um, high representation of female uh, viewers on Tumblr for, I guess, pornographic material, to put it blantly, I guess, um, compared to <laughs> males. So I guess in the terms of uh, incognito representation, uh, again, it's there, it's just that not as much as publicized, or they want to be publicized compared to males. Hmm. I think females feel like they have to hide themselves a lot more, to right. be honest. Because I feel like, I don't know, because, like, how can I put this? A lot of the time, of like, when women are growing up, like, you have all these things and stuff to sort of abide by I guess or like you know there always tends to be sort of a shaming thing or hidden bitchiness and they don't really want to be judged by each other right. and with guys it's more of a relaxed attitude because with a guy you're just like you know a guy will say something insulting and you'll just sort of just shrug it off and just go whatever mm-hmm. but women tend to take insults more to heart than men right. and I feel like that's a bit what's sort of stopping them if you get what I mean it's a little dangerous to generalize like this I think something we may be overlooking is just that the <laughs> stereotypical gender roles in childhood which is you know something that regardless of who you are you know you're more exposed to the, the typical female stuff if you're a girl and more exposed to typical male stuff if you're a guy uh, the, you know the female gender role as a child has a lot less transformation content. I mean, <laughs> the, the fantasy aspect of things, you know, the swords and sorcery and, uh, you know, werewolves and dragons, that's something that definitely would appear more in like the traditional, like things that male children are supposed to be interested in. So there may be an actual, um, reason. 
Yeah. For there being a smaller female presence in the transformation community. That's not necessarily an emotional or a psychological one, just sort of a practical one. Yeah, because you kind of see a similar um, uh, kind of skew towards the male side when it comes to, uh, at least it, I think this was the case, it might not be so now, uh, towards things like nerd culture, like comic books and video games and stuff like that, where you get a slightly higher proportion of men, and maybe that's just something that, biologically speaking, men are more prone to um, right. than, than, than females. Not sure if that's true, but uh, um, it's interesting that you see that same dynamic in in um, other sort of fandoms and interests as well. Right. Yeah. So I guess it comes down to existing representation, because of course, with um, werewolves and all that sort of being male dominance, it's an already relative subject <laughs> matter. So kind of just relating that to coincidentally being along the lines of your own self-orientation that just goes with it i guess <laughs> you know this kind of makes me wonder if um there would be value in finding a culture with a, a different you know gender power hierarchy like finding a matriarchal culture and seeing if if there's a sizable enough um transformation sort of thematic uh community within that sort of culture and whether the gender balance is reversed. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think there have been a lot of uh, stories or even movies involved with that. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of one story off of, uh, I think it was the Transformation Story Archive, um, where they had this futuristic um, era where these people on a spaceship visit a planet that's dominated by um cat women and of course obviously if you drop off a random human female she turns into a cat woman and then seduces male and go on from there <laughs> so um i mean of course there's also the historical aspect in terms of mythology like greeks with the sirens and how they seduce males to come to their island and then you know whatever happens afterwards so um, I mean, what happens afterwards? They drown. <laughs> yes, they drown and experience a horrific death. <laughs> As there's the theme with most uh, mythologies, it's always it's all oh look it's transformation, but then he gets he gets turned into a deer and then he gets ripped apart by hounds or something. Just like though, or I mean, by Zeus. <laughs> I mean, interesting enough, uh, in particular with the story of Odysseus um, and his expedition um where he came across i forgot her name she was a siren um oh cersei was it yeah it was cersei she's not a siren but yeah no, Cersei's I mean, the, it's the I witch know, wasn't there there was an uh aspect in that story where there were sirens involved i'm sure um but yeah besides that fact sort of rel relative she seduced him and whatnot and all that sort <laughs> But yeah, good stuff. Um, I don't know if Meliflux has anything to add to that. No, Odysseus. So that's a that's a heck of a story. <laughs> I know a few fans like Ela um, and things like that sort of stuff. I think they've been using her as a character in types of transformation art. <laughs> I've I've seen a lot China. of. Uh 
swine transformation from them. Yeah. They, that's their staple. Uh, they get a lot of things for, um, based around that same theme. It's quite nice to see. Yeah, yeah Cersei's yeah. definitely a, a common trope, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yes. Pretty much. <laughs> Though less, less so now, actually, comparing historically. I know there was a time, I think last year, where Cersei was like a large... Um, plot summary for some stories I've read on like FA and then it sort of died out <laughs> but um oh, I, know that, I know a couple of people that do often involve her like as I said Ida and a few others that do like the whole sort of being degraded into mm. a pig <laughs> type so sorry Continue. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So, um, just to sort of um, go off the uh, the main road here, in terms of like, say, like transgender to indirectly relate to this, um, do you feel that transgender interest is a little less common, more you know, directly compared? or kind of in correlation to homosexuality within the transformation genre? Pretty much. I mean, a lot of people that I've seen or even talked to have sort of said that, yeah, there is some sort of gender stuff going on. Like, a few of, like, a few of, like, I guess you even know the Discord chat there. Right. Well, I know that a lot of them have, like, either boyfriends or are homosexual. They do sort of like that aspect of being turned into a female as mm-hmm. well. So. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Gnome King? Any thoughts on that? It's interesting. Um, it's an interesting comparison. I I certainly have seen a lot of people who are homosexual they do seem to take less of an interest in the TG aspects. But I'm not necessarily convinced it's 100% to do with the homosexuality. I think anyone could be interested in transgender... Uh, given given the right influences, of course, and given the right tastes, everyone's obviously everyone's different. Variety is the spice of life and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think... Um, I think that... I do actually have a couple of friends, um, won't name the names or anything, mm-hmm. who um, who are homosexual, who do really love the transgender aspect, mm-hmm. but with no physical attraction to um, to females. I don't necessarily yeah. believe that an attraction to the female form right. is ne- is a necessary requirement right. to enjoy the idea of being. A, a different sex, right. um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's certainly something I've seen. Um, the reason for that is I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know, but um, it, it's certainly a correlation I've seen. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily a um, a limiting factor or anything. I think anyone mm-hmm. could be into TG given the right uh, nudges, as it were. Right, and I mean I think probably in terms of uh, applying that subject matter in real life to actually going through the process um, goes back to sort of the gender role idea of, you know, male being dominant, female being submissive. Um, so, like, I guess in in a sort of observative perspective, someone would want to go through the process to sort of align their personality if they're 
a little bit more on the submissive side or in terms of like a female transitioning to male being more on the dominant side or something of that sort? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of it to do with like you were saying about gender roles is to do with things like biology. Mm-hmm. Testosterone, for example, is obviously the, 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 the main component that makes a man a man apart from the mm-hmm. Y chromosome, of course. Right. Um, which obviously increases body hair, deepens, you know, tone of voice and aggression is, is directly linked to the amount of testosterone, um, in, in a, you know, it's a new person's body. So it's, it's interesting that, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that, um, you know, that it's, it's as simple as, as, as that. And I think maybe, I mean, it's a bit of a tricky one for me. I can't quite, I can't quite put the words in the right in the right, right. order here. Um, but I, I, I suppose I'm not a, uh, I'm not a lady, so I wouldn't know uh, what what that side of thing is. He would need a woman to uh, to really tell you what that would be like for them. Right. I mean, going back to when I did speak to um, Katina and uh, Twin Tigers on the other episode it definitely goes back to you know the general understanding of women being understood as a submissive gender so it's very hard to break out of that um directly experiencing that as a woman and then expressing herself and then i guess getting to the extreme of being able to be a little bit more dominant you have to go through that transition so that the outward projection is you know you can physically see that that was that's what they're trying to come off across as is being a bit more assertive than what is generalized of their you know their gender um so definitely a very uh controversial subject on that matter (laughs) yeah i i definitely think that there is um that there are those um those roles i think the stereotypes in society Mm -hmm. um obviously it's it's not a limiting factor you can be anything you want nowadays but um certainly um there's certainly a reason behind it what that reason is i can't say mm-hmm. um i i haven't nearly got enough information on this topic to hand to to make an informed uh assessment or anything like that but um it's um for, for me at least uh tg is something that i i like primarily because mm-hmm. of the the transformation aspect and right for some people, that might be the same. Uh, for for others, it might be the the idea of being comfortable in one's body. For those who are, um, you know, who experience um, uh, what's the what, what's the term again? Uh, it's um, dysmorphia. Yes, thank you. Yes, um, uh, uh, dysmorphia, um, where you're not comfortable in one's own mm-hmm. uh, one's own body, uh, not comfortable with your biological sex, and that right. I can't imagine, can't even begin to imagine what how horrible that must yeah, be. So. Yeah. For for someone uh, who who is going through that or goes through that, they might get something completely different out of the idea of of, of TG uh, than say myself, who is you know a man, pretty comfortable being a man cis or whatever the term is, um, who just enjoys the aspect of the transformation side of things. You know? So I suppose it's subjective. Right, definitely. Right. I mean, I would think so as well. But I mean, in terms of like homosexuality um, is really the biggest thing that um, brought me to focusing on this subject matter of homosexuality uh, for a particular episode is 
just how the evolution of, um, I guess, acceptance of homosexuality has come across the past couple of decades. Um, I mean, the biggest, um, the biggest initiative for me to do this is the recent law passed, at least in terms of the states, where federally um, gay marriage was passed as a, an acceptance to do. Um, and how that's sort of related to the culture that we have now where, you know, back in the nineties or whatever, if even if you showed signs of homosexuality, you'd be bullied, you'd get, you know, physically abused or what have you. Um, but in a general sense, I mean, even in terms of social media, you've got people like, um, I forgot the name for that Star Trek Asian guy, um, George Takai. Takai, yeah, yeah, and the uh, the matters of Ian McKellen, you know, just openly um, expressive people that are, you know, obviously celebrities. Just the acceptance has just so exponentially risen to where you know the the boundaries are sort of starting to break down, and now the next boundary that we got to work on, of course, is transgender because not only are you thinking of something that's concept, but more of an actual physical aspect as well that you got to kind of get used to. Absolutely. Um, so that's definitely something inter- interesting I've sort of observed over the years. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely moving into sort of a modern transhumanist movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, the actual physical freedom to to be physically different from a typical human being or from your your born self right i mean i think that's the future starting with transgenderism and perhaps moving forwards right exactly and i mean it even makes you think you know in the distant future or even you know not so distant future where transmogrification i don't know if i'm using that <laughs> Transmog- trans, whatever you call it transhumanism Yes, sure, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, just in terms of body modification, you know, when the technology comes to fruition, um, just how that'll be judged, I guess, or how that would be represented, and then how it slowly becomes accepted. Because not only are you dealing with gender transition, which you got, you know, people with tails, claws, what have you, it's just going to become such a diverse culture, and it just makes you wonder how that'll be. <laughs> but, um, yeah, good stuff. I don't know, if, uh, Melflux, do you have anything to add to that? No, I just, I just think it says a lot um, that we're here to talk specifically about homosexuality, and, and it's, not, it's kind of a given to us that, in general, society is, is relatively open and accepting. I, it's a good place to be. You know, even, you know, when I was born, it wasn't like that. You know, even when I was first getting into transformation, I'd say it wasn't like that. I mean, the last 10, 15 years have been fantastic on that front. Right. So, um, yeah, definitely something interesting to think about. But um, just to get a bit um, to your personal interests, I guess, um, I know you know King, um, you do... Uh, identify as, you know, bisexual, which, of course, nothing wrong with that. Um, Whoa. (laughs) Not sure what that was. But um, just to kind of expand on that, or even yourself, Crazy Husky, if you also um, identify as the same, do you think 
you are more so on the bisexual side? Is there more of a gray area of transition between the two? Uh, well, myself personally, I'm not gay or bisexual or straight. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> I'm actually what you call a demisexual. It's like I'm half sexual, I'm half not mm-hmm. type thing, which can make me seem really cold to others. It's mm-hmm. like, it's sexuality, but there has to be some familiarity or connection with the person. Mm-hmm. There's no straight up, I'm going to look at this, and, you know, you look at somebody, you think, oh, they're nice or they're gorgeous. That doesn't happen with me. To oh. me, everybody's just the same. Okay. And until I get to actually know the person and stuff properly then there's the attraction type thing Mm -hmm. which can kind of lead to i don't know it's like somebody could be hitting on you and it's just like it goes over your head and you're just like no i'm not like that (laughs) or like you're just like it's just like it just there's just nothing really there's no sort of connection Mm. it's when you actually get to know people and stuff and that's when you actually feel like the actual attraction to Mm. the person so for me it's not like oh Mm. i'm looking for somebody because yeah right most people that do have like demisexual thing don't really look for a person Mm -hmm. they're just sort of they just fall in love with them randomly. And it's happened to me like a few times where it's just been like, you know, I've, you know, over the course of like a few years, I've got to know somebody and then the attraction happens, mm-hmm. you know. But generally, most people who are demisexual are technically pretty much asexual until, you know, that point. <laughs> That's how I am as well. So mm-hmm. even though, yeah. I do tend to fall more for guys than anything. Uh, there's pretty much just strictly guys, not female type stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, is, but, it, uh, is it more so the uh, like the similarities to the male gender gender that you're kind of? Yeah, it's because it's like I said, it's a familiarity to me. Yeah. I get along with guys better than I do girls, so hence okay. why. A lot of the people I've sort of felt attracted to mm-hmm. have been guys. And, you know, I know I do a lot of sort of, I guess, adult-themed content, right. but to me it's not sexual because, like, I don't feel like that way to most of my art anyway. Gotcha. And I like a lot of toony type stuff as well, so it's sort of like for me I'm just in between everything. Um. <laughs> I mean, I can definitely understand that. I mean, it's interesting you bring up demi, demisexual. Mm-hmm. I guess you guess you said, um, yeah. That's the first time I've actually heard that term. But um, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I could sort of relate to that because uh, at least for me, um, same aspect. You know, I'm not going to be like the stereotypical. Oh man, I saw this guy with, or I saw this girl with a nice rack, and you know, I just yeah. had a nice night. <laughs> it was we were so drunk, but you know, it's not like a a sort of achievement or trophy where you've achieved yeah. this great thing of being laid with so many people where there's just like a one night stand. Um, for me, at least it's a little deeper. I do want to, yeah. you know, find that relation, find that intimacy, you know, that 
understanding between the both of us that, you know, we want to commit to each other, not some, oh, yeah, I just need something to get off and then go on your merry way. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely relate to that. Um, and it's interesting you say that. So, cool. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's just like, like I said, it's not so much with like you see somebody like it's more like you just fall for them. So, those types of a demisexual, you won't sort of say that person looks hot mm. because to, I've spoken to a few, there's not much of demisexuals in the fandom, but there's a few. And mm. a lot of them, it's more like I've talked to them and they felt the same way I have in terms of like, it's more of like a neutral attraction type thing that they've right. just felt for the person rather than just like, you know, it's more like they do sort of fall with as they fall in love with aspects that are familiar with mm-hmm. the person that they like, you know, but you know, mm-hmm. there's somebody who's going to go like, it's not a case of if, you know, Say, like, you're attracted to somebody who is a demisexual. It's not the case that you're attracted to them and you like them. Right. It has to be the other way around for a demisexual because there literally won't be love or any feeling <laughs> towards back to you because it would just be, like, nothing. Hence why it's an asexual. It's in between sexual and asexual <laughs> type thing. So, you know. And so that's why I'm just a generally a friendly person, because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm friendly to everybody because, you know, there's like, I'm not going to fall in love with somebody straight away just by looking at them and just like, hey, you're just another person and you're a nice guy or gal. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. really it. Yeah, <laughs> so. definitely, uh, definitely an interesting perspective on that. Um, how about yourself, Numb King? Um, how would you say you are on that matter? Um, quite similar to to, to Faust, I'd say I'm uh, I'm pretty much bisexual, if if that's the right term, or or maybe pansexual. I've heard that throw, term thrown around. Um, it doesn't really matter what the to me at least doesn't really matter what your biological sex is or what your you know gender is or whatever. Um, if I can, if I can get to know you, then you know I can become into. I don't. I won't ever um, get intimate with someone if I don't trust them or if I don't know them at the very least. I'm like you say. I'm not one of those guys who goes out and he's like, "Oh, I, I banged twelve girls last night." You know, not 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 quite not quite like that. Um, I do need to know the person. I do need to get to know them first before I do anything. Trust is an essential part of any kind of relationship. It's I believe, um, but also similarities, that kind of thing. But as far as the actual attraction side of things goes, I'd say I'm a pretty even 50-50 split for men and women. Um, okay. uh, Anything goes so, for you. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it, 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 again, it all comes down to the personality, um, whether it's a, you know, a quote-unquote transgender male or female or just, you know, a normal man or woman or whatever you want to call it. If, it's, if, they're, if they're a nice person and, you know, I've got a couple of interests that I can share with them, then, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll get close to them and, you know, share, share a bit of myself and hope that they'll share a bit of themselves back with me. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, pretty, much, <laughs> pretty much my two cents on it. Uh, definitely. I mean... Definitely looks like you both um, have some similarities on the sentiments there. <laughs> but um, just to sort of wrap it up, because we uh, are getting 
little over on time here. Um, so <laughs> do you think that um, just in general, or even just in terms of the fandom for transformation, do you feel like homosexuality or even other orientations or cultures will get a little bit more prevalence in the transformation community? Um, do who do you want to uh, answer I'll the question? Go ahead and go with Crazy Husky first. Hey, what was the thing? Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, do you think that um, homosexuality or even other orientations such as demisexual, pansexual, and cultures will have a little bit more prevalence within the community in the future? Yeah, I see that. I feel like as a as it's kind of like how can I put it? As like society's going to go on and become more and more sort of, I guess gender gender equal in a sense, that will also sort of fare on other aspects, not just in the fandom. But I will kind of say within the fandom there will be you know. It will happen too. It will become more of a thing where we see more gender different people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, really, really. <laughs> um, that's what I can say. It's like, yeah, it's going to happen eventually. And how about you, Nicky? Um, I think, um, as with anything, it's all down to demographics, or not demographics, sorry, as. Um, um, it, just down to populations and what the representation is in specific fandoms, like we were talking about before, the you know the unequal representation of men and women in in the fandom, or that there may be more men. It's the same. I could think it's the same with with cultures and and orientations and all that stuff. It depends on who's what, who's lo- who's in the fandom, who's looking. Um, I think that you get. Um, I think the fandom's a bit of a melting pot. Really, the the transformation community is a bit of a melting pot of lots of different cultures and and orientations. Um, I can't say for sure that any one culture or orientation would become dominant or more reoccurrent over the other, but certainly more accepting. Like like Faust was saying, I'm certain, certain we're going to see more acceptance of of you know you know transgenderism and that kind of thing and 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 I think that's a really good a really good thing but you'll always get little niches and, and sub communities right. within communities like the TF fandom um because I, I think there's some websites that are actually dedicated to to homosexual transformation um usually of the male variety mm-hmm. um which might come down to the whole you know sex differences between men and women more men in the fandom um, and even sub, some subgenres or fetishes that are coupled uh, with transformation, right. which relate to ideas that are purely heterosexual in nature, like you know, uh, breeding, pregnancy. You know, that's right. a common theme I see tacked on with transformation, um, which obviously you can't have. You know, you can't have you know biological pregnancy without right. heterosexual heterosexuality, exactly. obviously. Um, um, but I suppose there are reoccurring themes and species within the community. But again, that just comes down to like common tastes and interests. Some ideas are going to be more popular than others. But I think I think at the end of the day, the um, the representation of cultures and, and orientations will be representative of who's in that community. Exactly. And I think we'll we'll certainly see more of um, because me people are becoming more and more open about themselves nowadays, which is a great thing. You know, homosexuality. We might be seeing a bit more of that, which would be nice. 
Yeah. And I'm certain that'll happen one way or another, just like Crazy Husky <laughs> said. Absolutely. Um, so, Meliflox, anything else you want to add to this? No, I've, uh, I don't really have anything to add. I think I generally agree that, yeah, we're probably moving towards greater diversity and not more homogeneity. I, I don't think transformation is a genre that lends itself to anything but diversity. <laughs> it's not one to, to be static. It's, it's always in no. change. Right. No, it's exactly, yeah. I mean, that's its very nature, so. Right. Exactly. I mean, again, thing is always transforming. Yeah, that's that's the most <laughs> important thing. Something's turning into something. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, good stuff. Um, definitely a great um, time we had speaking to the two of you to the point that we've gone over our uh, time limit here. But um, as long as the content's good, it's okay. So um, again, thanks you two for joining in on this episode for us and expressing your opinions, especially something so specific or intimate as your own orientation on that matter. Um, so again, thank you for the two of you on coming in. Um, so that is bringing us to the end of the, um, the episode here. Uh, so again, if you guys uh, want to see any of the other episodes or want to kind of explore the various artists, writers, and contributors to the podcast. Um, we do have the website, um, which actually we have purchased the domain, domain name of changingtimespodcast.com so you no longer have to deal with having the weird URL of changingtimes.podbean.com. Just simply type in uh, changingtimespodcast.com and it'll take you right to it, and you can just explore of your own ventures from there. Um... So just to sort of give some promotion to both our participants here, um, if you want to find more on Crazy Husky's works, um, I believe his main presence is on For Affinity. I'll let him speak on his own behalf on other uh, channels to reach him, but if you want to reach him on For Affinity, it's foraffinity.net slash user slash crazy dash husky, um, and you can explore his art or his uh, works that he's colored and information about missions and all that sort um, so I'll let him sort of elaborate on that matter real quick uh, um, yeah as I said I'm on for affinity I have so furry and weasel as well both with crazy husky but there's no dash in between them for some reason FA have got a dash in between my name despite I submitted it without it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what is it? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm on Telegram as well with at Crazy Husky. You can pretty much just find me anywhere with just at Crazy Husky. The only one that's different is um, Verifinity, where it's got the dash in between. Right. So, yeah, that's really all you can find me. I mean, I'm open for transformation stuff. I do collabs with people, so it's not just colouring, but I just do the colouring side of it. So, you know, if you've got, like, an idea or something you want to, like, get turned into, then just hit me up and I'll see what I can do for you. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and just uh, let him know so he can be surprised by someone knowing his name. <laughs> but, um, Over to you guys. Yep, and how about um, with Gnome King, if you want to find him, also on Fur Affinity, uh, which is furaffinity.net slash uh, user slash the Gnome King. And that's Gnome spelled as N-O-M-E. Um, and of course you can find his stories, arts, and other related material on there. So I'll go ahead and let him elaborate on other channels to reach him as well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much uh, my Fur Affinity page is where I'm uh, primarily based. It's got um, stories. I've got a, tra a story, uh, transformation story um, index, which has species and themes. So if you want to look through stories, then go 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 to that page. That's probably easier. Um, all my commissions are posted there. Pretty much the same as as, as Faust, Crazy Husky. Um, it's basically anything the Gnome King. Um, you'll be able to reach me. I am on Telegram. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much where to hit me up. And I'll probably plug this on uh, Journal uh, and promote this as well. Good deal. And I'll go ahead and let um, Melafox say any closing words here. Uh, no, it's just been really great having you two. Uh, very interesting to talk to and hear your wonderful accents, of course. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you both very much for having us. Um, it's been it's been delightful yes it's been a pleasure to have <laughs> i've never done this before so this is my first time ever being in the podcast and i thank you for the experience <laughs> yeah surprisingly fun isn't it, <laughs> it, it <laughs> is. so fun. sometimes you go an hour over the scheduled time yeah about that <laughs> Well, Whoopsie just think of it like this. It's the finale. You have to exactly. go. Exactly. Yep. It's like the hour long versus the 30 minute episode of TV. <laughs> and, yeah. and in the end of the day, who's going to object to more TF talk? Right, exactly. Nice. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so, again, appreciate everyone for listening in. This is Cheesy Dino with the Changing Times, joined by my co-host, Meliflox. And uh, we'll see you coming around for this season finale. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>